So. As in from childhood? Yes. Oh, oh okay. Some of your fun childhood memories. Oh. Uh, so fun childhood memories would be riding bikes along uh, Fallowmore Close um, and Queen's Drive, going for walks with my father. Um, I think those are the most, you know, playing in the garden, um, you know, playing with friends, um, going underneath the barbed wire into another, you know, to friends' houses because they all sort of backed each other in that area. So yeah, those those would be my childhood. Yeah, my fondest childhood memories, yeah, definitely. Or just, you know, hanging out, yeah, playing, running away from home with with a little suitcase okay. and putting my dolls in there with my younger sister. <laughs> and my father would always say, don't worry, they'll come back when they're hungry. <laughs> so that sort of thing, yeah. Those are my fond childhood memories. Thank you. Uh, I've read about your uh, education, but I'd like to know a bit about your background mm -hmm. and why you chose law as a career. Ah, so I come from a family of lawyers from both sides. Father's side, mother's side, and now let's add husband's side also. But no, definitely my, my family was, they're all, they're all from lawyers to magistrate to judges to, uh, yeah. And so the truth is, I don't think I ever thought of any other career. Somebody else asked me the same question recently and I was like, I think the question was, what would you have been if you weren't a lawyer? And honestly, I can't really think of what else. I think I, think I did want to be a lawyer. I didn't necessarily want to be a barrister, but I think I always enjoyed, you know, trying to find solutions um, for people. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you say you, you, yeah, is this something that was trust on you that once you're born in the family, mm. that's the law, you have to go to law. Well, you know, nobody ever said. I don't. I don't remember any my parents sort of dictating what we're gonna do. Um, no, I think it was just, my brother's a lawyer, so I come from a family of four, um, older sister, older brother, and younger sister. Older brother's a lawyer, younger sister's a lawyer, I'm a lawyer, <laughs> so <laughs> I think we just all... Naturally gravitated. Yeah, I think we just, we just gravitated towards law, yeah. Okay, okay. Please, can you tell us um, your experience, because your Bible says that you have over 30 years experience mm -hmm. in corporate and commercial law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just can you tell us about your law experience? Okay, so the way you practicing yeah, so um, straight out of law school, um, I worked with um, a bank um, for Youth Corps. <clears throat> I did that for a year, <clears throat> and then um, after that, I went and worked with a law practice, and um, my first. So the first, yeah, and we did some. We did things like, uh, we did a lot of pro bono work in that practice. Uh, it was, you know, armed robbery tribunals, <clears throat> etc. It was wills, it was probate, it was, um, and, then, and then the commercial side. Um, and then I moved from there to a strictly commercial practice, um, which I enjoyed actually. Uh, it was, yeah, just a lots of um, deals, contracts, that sort of thing. Um, and that involves some traveling as well, which is you know quite exciting. And um, and then from there, I moved in in house. 
um, because I just well because I think I was then beginning to have to go to court and I didn't really enjoy that aspect because you go to court and you go to court and you would sit there for hours and then you know three hours later or four hours later the judge tells you that he's rising or she's rising and yeah so it was a lot of time wasted if you ask me um, is this background noise affecting okay okay um, and then so I decided to go in-house um, and I went to work in a logistics company um, where I so can I pause for a second so yes, I went to work in a logistics company where I was doing when I was working uh, on administration, which included HR, insurance, um, and and then I moved into law, insurance, and HR, and then I moved into um, kind of like the claims side of logistics, shipping, right? and claims, insurance, um, etc., and what, whatever legal aspects there were. And then from there, I was sort of headhunted when, um, when Total Upstream... I was, I was headhunted into an oil company. And um, I, did, I worked there for about 18 or 20 years, I can't remember now which one it is. Um, but working in an international, with, in a multinational means, especially one, the one that I worked in, meant that um, you know you're working in sometimes different countries. I worked in Paris for three years, um, different divisions. You know, so it's not static. So you 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 don't realize when time flies. Hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I, you didn't mention. Um, um, your university was school so and mm. okay. okay. So I, I went to so I, I did my, my young ed, young education. I, I went to I lived in the UK from the age of twelve. Um, and it was in boarding school. Um, and then I went to and then I did my law degree with Holborn College, which you do University of London, it's basically University of London okay. exams. Um, and then I, and then I came back to law school, Nigeria, and then I went away again for a couple of years, um, and then came back. And while I was away for a couple of years, I was just trying to um, understand how the legal system works, also in the UK, okay. yeah, especially the. Um, what they call it, especially the uh, conveyancing side of things, which is very, quite interesting, the buying and selling of homes okay. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. I saw that then in 2016 you obtained a global executive. I did. Okay. Okay. Um, so, Ma, would you say that your background has helped you be the woman that you have, maybe giving you um, a direction in your life early, so you didn't have to go around before you? Was your background? and then a very huge influence. When you say my background, do you mean my parents? Okay, okay, okay. Oh yeah. So I would definitely say yes because of the work ethic instilled in in, in us as we grew up. Um, you know, it was, I, yeah, I never imagined a period where I would not work, <laughs> you know. Even from school I was working. So, um, you know, I think my first job was at 15 
Um, my first real job was at 15 because I would always work in the summer holidays or the Easter holidays. Um, and I think that sort of grounds you. It also um, helps you um, with your money management. You also realize that because you know when you're not earning money, you can spend it like water, right? When you're earning it and you know what it takes to earn, you know the first, you know, ten pounds, then you know. So that that instills a little bit of discipline in you. It also, uh, I mean, like so you would, I would. So for the summer, you would have to start applying for jobs in like February, March, April. You know, for Easter, you have to start you know, applying in November. I don't know what it's like now, but that's certainly what it was like then. So I worked in different things. I did, I worked in, um, I think I worked, so I worked in uh, department stores, um, the really nice ones in, in London. I worked in a dating agency doing the admin side. I worked in, what else did I do? Um, I can't remember now. But anyway, those kind of things. So I would always like, you know, the Harrods, the Selfridges, um, Barkers of Kensington at the time, yeah, I would always want to work in those those places. So yeah, okay. yeah. Well, it's surprising to hear that you worked. Oh, was you just? I thought maybe being abroad, you had everything at your disposal. There's no such thing. No, there's there's no such thing. you know, in fact, those days were really uh, very odd days because there's still the days where you had to apply to CBN. Um, we had, you know, a series of, you know, drafts that, you know, would come, you would pay them in, and they would bounce. Mm -hmm. Federal government drafts. So, you know, there were times when you were like hanging on for dear life, and uh, also I remember once, uh, you know, having, you know, money stolen um, that was sent. So, yeah, but. Quite apart from all of that, I think that we all had that, my entire, my brother, my sisters, we all had that discipline of always working in any holiday. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well done, Ma. Ma, can you tell us how um, you eventually ventured into business mm -hmm. after total working mm here? -hmm. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us um, why you ventured into the entrepreneurial space? Okay. So I think I've always really wanted to do something for myself and I've always been interested, interested in or very keen on the hospitality industry, especially service, um, because I'm one of those complaining guests whenever okay. I go to places. I'm always grumbling about service. So I've kind of, I'm kind of putting myself to the test, but the, the way it happened is um, I, I guess I knew that I would not remain in oil and gas until retirement age because I really wanted to have the energy to, you know, start something and, you know, not so easy starting something when you're old. So, but still, um, you know, I went back to school when I was old and, um, you know, trying to get through the MBA was pretty tough because I was working at the same time. And um, those courses are not for the faint-hearted at all. But I succeeded, and I think from the second module, my brain was beginning to think and tick tock, tick tock. Because during these, uh, during the course, you you you're learning a lot about what other people are doing. You're reading case studies, and you know of this of all these exciting ventures, and you know you're kind of thinking. Ah, if they can do it, why can't I try my hand, you know? 
Um, and I think the reason, probably the reason I went to do this MBA was because I was also thinking, of, obviously, of you know what 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 happens after <clears throat> you know corporate life, and I even though I could have started something, I didn't want to start without <clears throat> having the background knowledge skill. I needed to know um, you know what I was doing in terms of finance, in terms of branding, marketing, all the stuff that goes. Um, with uh, you know entrepreneurship, <clears throat> and the reason I wanted to start a members-only club for women, one was because I felt that it was time, because you know you know where 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 um sort of our colonial masters are the Brits, right? And this is very much a British thing, this members-only private club thing, and and I think that. You know, it's time for women to really have the opportunity to get together okay. and also to build, you know, valuable networks, networks that actually, you know, bring value to each each woman. Um, and when I talk about value, I'm talking about, you know, sponsorship to a board, I'm talking about, you know, business, I'm talking about collaboration, I'm talking about, you know, all those things. And because we live in a trust deficit environment, it's very difficult for people to just sort of meet and agree to do things. So when you have a space for them to come in and out of, um, you know, people start to get to know each other, they start to build bonds, they start to trust. Only then can you then achieve, you know, the objective, which is collaboration and sponsorship and connections. And, you know, it's nothing new because men have been doing it for centuries. It's just that, um, you know, now we've decided that we're building our own tables since nobody's inviting us, or they're half-heartedly inviting us. Okay, so we're building our own tables now, and building our own spaces. So this is, you know, by women, for women, you know, service by women. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's basically it. And, you know, we hope that this is not the only one. We want to build, or at least have, um, guy Africans in other countries in Africa. Um, how did you coin the name? Guy. It was actually gifted to me by my husband because I was trying to think of you know the best name possible for you know a women only club. And then I was thinking in terms of Greek mythology, and he suggested Guy. And I looked her up, and you know it's basically Mother Earth, so she's kind of like the goddess of the earth. So I thought ah, Mother Earth is great because that you know from woman for me as far as I'm concerned. All things spring eternal from women, right? We are the ones who birth everything, you know. Well, the humans who create other things. So yeah, I thought it was a very appropriate name. Okay. Um, did you, you know, um, being someone that you were in and out of Nigeria, mm-hmm. this idea when it came to your mind, did you have, did you reach out to partners or you just? Um, so I first of all sort of curated it. I, you know, the idea, the vision was in my head, wrote it down, did all the stuff, and then yes, I wanted to have a partner. I did, I did actually reach out to a few people, but nobody seemed interested. Nobody seemed to have the same passion that I did. So I, I then thought, well, maybe along the way, you know, I will find people who, at least somebody, because I really wanted a co-founder. 
um, because you know it's so much easier to bounce ideas off people. It's you know better for you to share the risks. It's better for you to share the problems. But I just didn't find anyone, so I had to burden my husband with all my I would dump, 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 dump all my problems. But then, um, because I, you know, I had to find funding, additional funding to whatever I could put in. I then started to reach out to women, and so what I did was I dropped the because you know when you do the model, you kind of have an entry you know cost, and it came in a little bit high, so I dropped it and then started to talk to women, and you know then they came on board. So that's basically how that has worked. Okay. But you didn't get a co-founder. I did not get a co-founder, and I'm very sad. Because, <laughs> you know, a co-founder would be, and I wanted an active co-founder, so okay, not so a passive one. Yeah. So somebody who was, you know, doing the same thing as I was doing, except that she had like a specialized area that she would, you know, focus on, and I would have another area that I would focus on. But that has not been the case. So. <laughs> Okay. Um, yes, you said Guy Africa is dedicated to serving Africa's top five percent of female C-suite executives. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? So, it's a good question, and it is one that basically means that we are looking at the target um, demographic are the decision makers, so women who have risen to the top okay. and who can take the decision to do something with another woman. And you know, go from there. Um, also, because when you are at the top in a country that is male-dominated, most of our industries are male-dominated. Um, it can be very lonely at that top because uh, you will find that you are probably the only one, or maybe there's one other also. And so, it's nice to have a space for women of like um, status and mind to come together and bounce ideas off each other. And, and I'm not talking about so that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all much older, because we have younger women who are running their own businesses as well, who are members. So it's a nice cross-fertilization, and we hope that we can do, or rather, should I say, cross-generational. Okay. And so we hope that we can build build on that as well. Okay. Um, okay, Ma, so, um, you know, when I, when I read this up, I it reminded me of Mindy's also, because mm -hmm. there's something that women in business where We've seen um, women in top or top exec, top female executives. Mm -hmm. In that, is this something that was it fashion in that way or was it? No. So, um, so I, I mean, for, I, women's I think caters to a, a lot, a much wider um, audience. Okay. Um, this is catering to a much, to a niche market, to a niche audience. Um, I would probably say that they have um, some things that are similar, um, but I think what distinguishes Gaia is the fact that, well a few things distinguish us, the fact that we have our own clubhouse, okay. the fact that we have what we call uh, smaller interest groups, which I don't know if other people have, but we have smaller interest groups, we call them mini clubs. Okay. And the idea for the mini clubs is to bring women who have similar, um, uh, what's the word, things that they like. Right, um, they come together, and if I, if you like art and I like art, we're probably going to bond quicker, and we're probably going to bond deeper, right? So we have um, the mini clubs that we have are the business dining club, which is really, you know, a club, a mini club for most most of the members are part of the business dining club because everybody wants to 
expand their business, expand their contacts, etc. And what we do at those events is we have either we have a, a guest speaker who could be a member of the club, by the way, okay. just talking to us about you know her story, her journey, or it could be somebody from that's external, um, or it could just be us talking about a particular subject, and you know we then sort of go around the table. We introduce ourselves each time so that if you missed the last time, you know, yeah. and we're all encouraged to boast about what we do because okay. it's important for people to, because women don't. Women will never boast. We'll just say, yes, I'm a director somewhere. Meanwhile, when you hear the actual profile, you'll be yeah. wondering, right? So there's that. And also, um, so then, so we have the Business Day Club, we have Film Club, where we watch the yeah. film. For film lovers, we will watch films that are, um, you know, maybe made, produced by by uh, a female producer or directed by a female, or the protagonist is female. And then the idea for that is, we like to watch indie films, right? Things that are not sort of um, not for the masses, right? So it's it's things that you can really have a great discussion on. So we will very rarely have a comedy, right? Okay. Unless it's a dark comedy or something. So we have, you know, lots of dramas and, you know, things that you can actually really discuss the characters. And the same we have with the, with the book club. We read a book a month and then we discuss the book. We discuss the characters in the book, we discuss the theme in the book, and we read anything from a biography to uh, some sort of historical, um, um, historical book to anything really. And then we discuss it. And then times where we can have the author join us, she or he will join us, and then we will, you know, sort of pick his or her brain. Why did you write this book? Why, you know, what was what was your thought? What were you think? What was your thinking behind it, etc. Then we have a style club. We talk about style and fashion. Well, not really fashion. We we'll talk about style. So we'll have a designer or a stylist come and talk to us. Um, with arts and culture, we talk about maybe a particular artist's work or we talk about investing in art or how to choose art or how to value your art, things like that. And on the cultural side we've done a bit about you know our history. You know, we've had a movie on the Afrin War, we've had um, a talk about slavery in Lagos and our participation. We've had we've had history on all kinds of different things on Lagos and you know the old Lagos you know, which you would not recognize today. Um, what other? So we have Travel Club, which we haven't used yet because of COVID. And we have, uh, what else do we have? We have Investment Club, where okay. we pull money together and we invest in different things. Okay. So, um, with the- Wait, one second. Sorry, is it like an adjunct or something? No. Wait, a, a monthly no, no, no. So, so we make a monthly contribution. Okay. We actually have two investment clubs. So the first one was limited to a number of people. The second one that is in the in the making is is a cooperative. Okay. Um, so that's going to be much bigger, and we don't care how many people join that, and your contribution doesn't have to be equal, etc. But with the present one, um, yeah, no. So we make a monthly contribution, and then we have a an investment um, committee, and you know we have who then sort of advise us on you know where to place money where to invest in so we've invested in some startups we've put money in um uh what they call it now 
all the newspapers, commercial papers, we've done various different things. And what's interesting is the growth of that, you know, the money. And now that the Naira is, <laughs> we're having to revise our strategy. So now, what were some of the challenges that you had to oh, God. while setting up this? Too many. Money was the first thing. Funding, funding, funding was a nightmare. Um, because it was my first entrepreneurial, well, it is my first entre entrepreneurial um, venture. And so I don't have a three year track record of you know, financials. Um, and so. Clearly, I was not going to get institutional investments or institutional money or whatever. Um, and uh, so I really just, I actually um, tried to, I, I hired two financial advisors um, and neither one was able to raise money. And so I decided that this was something I was going to have to do myself. But it wasn't fun. I'm still looking for money. So if anybody wants to invest, no. But it it, it f looking finding money funding in this country is very difficult, um, and I don't know why it should be so difficult. To be honest, I think it's more difficult for women, and you know also because I wasn't ready to, you know, do something small. You know, mm. for me it was go big or, or go home. Either we're going to do this the way it should be, or we're not going to do it at all. And and so you know it's it's not a cheap project um, as you have seen. <laughs> so um, but you know I just felt that you know if we're going to build a club for women, it, it should reflect you know the status and the and the um, and just the you know the feminist you know the feminine the feminine side and you know it should just be a very beautiful building and it should have. Um, facilities that are, you know, suited to women and all of that, and so it wasn't going to be cheap. And then, with the nosedive of the Naira, it's made life even more and more comfortable. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So was it was the funding only the problem? No. Okay. Staff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Staff. So staff also has been very difficult, very tricky, um, because first of all, I suppose it's it's not it's. It's not the usual hospitality, right? So we're not a hotel. Yeah. Um, so we have, we actually have a restaurant. We have, a, we have two bars. Um, so that side, I think, is manageable. But the membership side, you know, because we're doing things um, that are different, um, you you have to find. We're constantly looking for staff that are enthusiastic, that are passionate about oh, the sort of thing that, and understand the vision and want to contribute to the vision. Okay. And, you know, a lot of people are just really interested in their paycheck, you know. Mm -hmm. So when you say you're looking for something, they're like, okay, but what's the pay? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that really, that puts me off actually. Because I'm just like, mm, maybe not, you know. Because if you ask me about the job, if you ask me about the vision, then I know that you're interested and, uh, you know, um, those are the kinds of people that we have, you know, working with us. So, but it's just that it can be difficult to actually find the right people. So, you know, you, you do some trial and error. Um, but, yeah, we, uh, and the other thing that I found... Challenging. Well, not challenging, but surprising, was that we wanted to be an all-women team. Yeah. And the management team is all female, but the sort of F&B side is 
not as I thought it would be. The yeah, food and beverage. Okay. So like the restaurant side. Um, because, uh, you know, I think, I don't know what it is, but anyway, what I what I planned is not what we have today. Yeah, it's not what we have today. But we, but, we, but we do have an exec chef that's female, which is great. And our general manager is female, which is fantastic. Okay. So, you know. Okay, okay. Uh, Ma, um, I'd also like to know, was there was there any issue of connections? You know, there are some things that if you're not well connected, you can. This is a beautiful place in a beautiful environment, and it is not in it's not it's in a good area. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I mean, yes. it's not like it is in one um, rural yeah. area and things like that. Yeah. Did you have any issues with connection, or you have built your connections over the years that helped you? With okay, this? that's a very good question because that really you know goes to the issue of um, networks and connections. And the truth is that um, when I first came out of corporate, I found that I had lost touch with literally everybody um, because the job that I did was such that I was hardly ever here. Um, When I was, it was time to sleep. Um, So I was traveling a lot. I was not able to nurture my relationships or, you know, in the way that it should be done because I was always going somewhere. So the funny thing was I was in France between 2008 and 2011. And in 2017, after I had left, people were still asking me if I was still in France and was I just visiting. So that just showed me that Gosh, I've really, you know, I'm just completely out of anybody's frame of mind. And so what I decided was I made a deliberate um, uh, decision to get back in touch with people, take every meeting, talk about every, talk about what I was trying to do all the time. And I found that that led to introductions, uh, meetings, you know, and I would always say, look, I would, I'll take a meeting with a sheep if I'm asked to, because you never know, you know. And what I found is that it's true, you never know where that meeting is going to lead. It may not lead anywhere today or tomorrow, but maybe down the line it might. Or maybe it's not through this person, but through a second and third contact that they have, right? So, um, so that's what I did. I built, you know, I just through the years continued to you know, rebuild and rebuild and rebuild and now I just find that, you know, I'm constantly being asked for an introduction to, to I'm now the connector okay. of people. Okay. And um, so which is what is, you know, supposed, this is supposed to be, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, so for me, your connections are critical for everything. Your connections are critical when you're looking for money, your connections mm-hmm. are critical when you're looking for um, when you're looking for anything, to be honest, even when you're looking for stuff, hmm. right? Yeah. Because, you know, if I have the word of somebody that I know is already 50% for this person. If they're recommending this person and they're strongly recommending this person, ah, okay, that's good for me, you know, because I don't think the people I know would recommend somebody just yes. for the sake of it, right? So I would take that sort of thing seriously. Um, oh, I forgot to mention when I was talking about money that I did finally find some money, not a lot, but some from bank of industry. Okay. So you know that's that is good, but it wasn't without its problems. 
but at least we got it, got something. Um, yeah, so back to connections. No, connections are very, very, very serious, and I keep talking to people about connections now, and um, especially people who are working in corporate, and I'm like, you know, I've been there, done that. You have to, you know, stay in touch with people on the outside, you have to build your connections inside, but certainly build your connections outside, because you're not going to be in this place forever, you know? And um, it just helps, even with your job, you know, even when you're in corporate. If you know people, you can reach out to them, you know. But I found that, yeah, the people I knew were very much in that legal sphere that I was in, you know. So it's very different when you come out and you want to do something different. But I think you should have connections across the board anyway, you know. So, yeah, connections are, are imperative so, yeah, to doing I anything. Because I've in my mind that... Or maybe you must have known maybe a, maybe a governor, an ex governor, a minister that would have been. Truth is, I don't even go in that direction at all. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. For me, I don't even know how to deal with it, to be honest. So okay. I just prefer to stay away yeah. and do things very quietly. Yeah. Very quietly. Okay. Okay, my, um, um, this it was established in 2018. Mm-hmm. So, so far, how would you? How do you not this yourself? building. Okay. Okay. This so this is we we're not even opened. Oh, it's not <laughs> so, even so we oh, we we we're just sort of in our test phase, and we're still. You see that people are still walking around. Yeah. You know, they're still finishing off. You know, things that because we had the post construction cleaning, which has now revealed cracks and things. Oh, so we still have to f- fix all of those things, and you're still expecting some furniture in some places, and so we're still working. Although, we, as I told you, we had that event on the 9th okay. and our restaurant is sort of open for private events, you know, okay. so it's also testing okay. everything. Um, so, yeah, so we started in 2018, in April 2018, but we started, there, no there was no structure. We started only with the business dining club. Okay. So we were meeting every month, we would have an event every month, you know, bringing women together and, you know, talking about business, making sure women would connect and, you know, um, and we did that for one year, okay. and then the following year we decided that we would close it, we would have a network, so it's sort of pseudo-membership. Okay. Some people joined, my peeps, okay. <laughs> the people who believed completely in me, joined anyway, uh, you know, properly, and um, those were the beginnings of the founding membership, so we have like a group that we call the Founding 50. Yeah? Founding 50. Yeah, Founding 50, yeah. Um, so they are the ones who joined early because we were going to put a cap on founding members, okay. right? Um, and then, so so we started this network membership, which meant that people had, you know, women had to pay a little bit of money to get the invitations, etc. And then we saw that there was a shrink in those who were attending, no problem. And then, they, um, and then, so that was in twenty nineteen. But network was only going to last to end of 2019, and from 2020, I was like full-blown membership because that's what this is, right? And uh, of course, we needed the money to put part of it into this and to run the whole thing because we had, you know, staff. And um, so, from 2020 in January, we went to full-blown membership. It started very slowly. I didn't really care. <laughs> you know, I just said, you know, we're going for this. The first year was the test phase to see whether it was actually needed. Okay. Does it work? Do people, are women interested in getting together? <clears throat> and I found that they were. But <clears throat> I think that people are not quite 
this whole business of subscription and it's not it's not expensive but it's not cheap either right it's certainly cheaper than other clubs <clears throat> but um, maybe they're just not used to it or whatever but anyway so <clears throat> it started slowly but now it's growing <clears throat> we hope to fa- to have sorry. gosh <clears throat> sorry about that we hope sorry. to have about we have hope to have 800 members over 10 years oh, over 10 years um, and why people always say so many members and I'm like yeah because we include in that membership those who are not in town we include expatriate members we include our international members we have um, what we call the digital membership which is really for women who live outside Nigeria yes exactly and so yeah so all together and because if you don't if you don't have so for example the restaurant is open now to the public because if we had a a membership of 5,000 then we could just close it off right but um, until we get there, um, you know, we have to have footfall. Okay. Um, obviously, members have priority over everything, but um, it's also a business, it's not an NGO, so we have to make money. Yeah, yeah. I wanted yeah. to ask that. Ah, Did you that. mean that you, all your servants, or while doing this, while trying to test and everything, were you just dedicated and were still doing your private practice with law? No, I gave up law when I left corporate because I was <sighs> yes it, okay, so you were just 100% I was 100% on this. this but I also sit on board so that also takes time but yeah no I had to be 100% on this because as I said it's new and a lot of the visioning is from me a lot of the so for example we have what we um, call um, uh, we started to, to, yeah, so let me go back a little bit. In 2020, when COVID struck, yeah, that's it was it was, a, it was a make or break moment there because because we were having physical meetings and things, you know, the question was, okay, so what's the way forward? So we became digitally enabled very quickly. And so we put everything on digital. We started what we call the... Um, uh, what do we call it? The Executive Academy, which is basically a webinar every week okay. on different subjects. So we've done everything from cybersecurity to cryptocurrency to menopause to mental health to yesterday it was investing in Africa. Um, we've done stories of uh, entrepreneurial um, ventures. You know, wherever we have the founders come and talk to us. We've had succession planning, we've had making a will, just any subject, name it, you know, we've done it. And so we continue with that uh, because also we have a digital membership, so we have to continue doing things digitally. So even our book club and, you know, and film club will also be, will be hybrid now going forward. Uh, so yeah, COVID, so we just basically pivoted very quickly. And I, we found that members found it very, very useful. Now we would have things like cocktails and chill, which is where the investment club was birthed. It was okay. just cocktails and chill on a Monday, grab a drink and let's talk. Because people were getting going a bit cuckoo during COVID, you know, the lockdown. So it was a good it was a good thing to have. And then we just suddenly said, Look, you know, why don't we just start putting money aside? Money that's not gonna you know, you're not gonna think about really. 
Um, doesn't matter that, you know, so let's get 20 people together and let's do it. And we did, and we've been doing that since. Um, so we just put everything online and we brought, well, from the feedback, we brought a lot of value to members. And we even had lots of people joining in 2020, which was a bit of a surprise to me. A nice surprise, of course. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 how we survived. And then you know, as soon as we could start to do this, so of course, it was in a way it was a blessing, because imagine if this place had been up was up and running and ready to go, and COVID struck, I would have been crying. I mean, not have been, I mean, not have survived, you know. Um, and so, so in a way, for us it was. You know, in a way, a blessing that we hadn't finished. And then once we could start anything at all, I started, you know, talking to people, raising money, pitching, sending this, sending mm -hmm. that, documents, please, you know, join us. And it wasn't really please join us because the, there's a business case for it, right? Um, and the funny, you know, it's funny because I became very hard nosed about, you know, I didn't really care about rejections. Because for those who said no, they didn't see a business case, I thought, okay, fine, that's, you don't see a business case, but I do. But thanks for the advice, and I move on, you know. And I think that's one, you know, piece of advice for anybody who's thinking about doing anything. You know, if you have a vision, I'm not saying don't listen to people, but you know ultimately what's in your head. I imagine that you've done the math, right? So when people don't see it, doesn't mean that there's nothing there, um, so you just have to keep. Just for me, I just once they say no, I'm just like next, moving right along, you know. So that's that's why we have been able to do all this today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a beautiful place. Thank you. Okay, so talking about membership, how many members do you have now? Ninety. Ninety. Wow. So we're sitting confident. Eight hundred. Ninety in three years. So, so not re so ninety since twenty since the beginning, yeah, since the beginning of twenty twenty, because that's when we moved to full membership. Yeah. So ninety just one. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so ninety then eight hundred in ten years. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so we want to have a hundred by the first year. So for me, this is the first year. This is year one. Because we will because we're gonna open soon, right? So for me, um, it's a hundred. The target is a we must have at least a hundred by the end of this year. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so far, would you say that um, your your efforts are worth it? Are you are you are you pleased with what you're saying? Are people receptive enough to your dreams? You know, I know that if you were also abroad, oh, would have been more because there's. This, <laughs> their mentality is a little completely different. different. Yeah, completely different. So, it is. do you think that your efforts are yielding fruits? Is this worth it? So, you know, that's a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. You know, what, one thing I've always said is that um, I've had a little bit of difficulty articulating my vision because half of it is just locked in there, and I can just, I can, I can see it. Now, I try to explain to people what it is. And some people catch it like that, and some people don't, and others have actually just waited until this came up because okay. this was always part of yes. the. It was always part of the plan, right? And yeah, people have been like, yeah, nice, but you know, they're kind of waiting to see what happens. Um, those who 
catch the dream, catch the vision, catch the vision. Those who don't, don't. Um, there are those who just do not, are not into this women only thing. For them, it's just like, ugh, women alone, ah, please count me out. Ah, yeah, oh no, please don't drag me into this. So there's that. Um, and then there's just, yeah, I think there's just this skepticism um, amongst women and, you know, putting them in a space. But hey, you know, the thing is, it's a club. We have mini clubs. You don't have to be part of the mini club. You can just come and use the facilities if that's all you want. Um, you know, but if you want to do that, then you should be a member. Um, we have an honor code. And so first of all, I should say that we are selective. Obviously, it's not just everybody who applies that, that gets in. Um, there's, a there's a criteria, and okay. the criteria really is that you're either C-suite or senior professional, a decision maker okay. that has, you know, that's doing something that can benefit others, okay. because it's not, it, it cannot be a one-way street, you can't come because you want to meet people, okay. it's got to be mutual, right? Um, and then also, oh gosh, I forgot my train of thought now, what was I talking about? Yeah, so yes, yeah, so we're, we're, we're selective. And so it's not really just counting numbers. It's making sure that you have the right people, also the right vibe. Because the vibe is very zen, right? You know, people come in, look, if you want to be calling people auntie, that's your problem, okay? But everybody's a, an equal member. So, um, you know, there's no, you know, it's a club for members and we're all members. And as long as everybody has, you know, there's mutual respect, then, you know, that's all we ask. So yes, I was talking about the honor code. The honor code we have is mutual trust, because honestly, without that, we can't do anything. Integrity and authenticity. So we're really looking for people who are authentic in what they do, and it's not a question of whether you have money, you know, because um, no, that's definitely not the criteria. Um, we want people of integrity, we want people who are willing to trust others in order to sort of move this whole this movement effectively along um, and just you know maybe I have something to prove that just women together can, I mean I really believe that women together can do just a whole lot um, take for example this exhibition that we're doing um, I was introduced to the founder of the company that um, works with artists and we literally had one meeting and got along so well that we decided that, oh yeah, we're going to do so much together. She's much younger and she's Spanish. Um, and we just decided that we're going to do this and it's been a great success. And it's just, it just goes to show that when you collaborate, you can do bigger and you can do better. If we decided that we were going to do this by ourselves, we'd have had to go and look for somebody who would be a curator, was struggling with artists. Ah, somebody's coming and she has you know, she already has that going. What she needs is a space, what we need is what she, so it's, it's a mutual yeah. benefit. And um, so I encourage, I, you know, this is one thing that I like to do, I encourage um, lots and lots of collaboration because when you collaborate with others, then you can do bigger and you can do better and you can do far more okay. um, than, you know, working in silos. So that's my motto. Okay, okay. You, you, you mentioned a very key point that there's criteria. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the criteria? So the criteria really is that you are a member of the C, of C, of your C-suite um, executive, right? Which is basically CFO, CEO, COO for corporate. 
if you're a founder of a business, that's a good. That's part. That's one of the criteria. If you're a senior professional, um, and a senior professional can be a senior in any profession, um, senior public servants as well, um, and you know creatives. You know people who are producing movies, directing them. Maybe the actors. We don't have an actor yet. Oh, we. Well, no, I, no, I wouldn't say celebrities. I would just, yeah, I wouldn't say celebrities. I would, I mean, like, if it's, I don't even look. I don't even know. I don't even know if I like that word. But okay, because okay. yeah. So, I suppose you know a well-known actor. Or well, okay. So a well-known actress. actress. Yeah, I don't like the word actress either. I prefer to call them all actors because okay. yeah. actress always connotes some sort of weird thing. You know, okay. so I like to call them either actor or thespian. So, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. So, so yeah. Or maybe like Jockey Silva. Yeah. Like, so yeah. people. So she's a decision maker, right? Because she's not only a well-known actor, but she's also the founder of. She has a school, right? And she she's doing things. She's you know somebody who yes. has a reach, yeah. right? So yeah. I mean, I mean, I wouldn't name any names, but yeah, yeah. they we kind of know. Um, the, the sort of levels that we're looking at, and okay. you could be young and yeah, have that reach already, you know. Is there an age? It, it, there used to be an age, but we found now that there are young women who are doing incredible work, okay. you know, under the age of 30, for example. Okay. So we're not going to turn them away. Okay, so finally about this, um, can you tell us at least one of the success stories that's the connections yeah. or, or the gathering of this mm -hmm. dream as mm -hmm. bettered? Maybe there's somebody that came here and from there this connection led to this and the rest is well, why don't we just use this as an example, Gaia itself? Because with the members, Gaia itself has done and is doing things, right? So. We've used, so our facility manage, management company is founded by a member. Okay. The furniture supplied on the ground floor is from a founding member company, mm -hmm. right? All women, by the way. Okay. Um, we have a system that we use to um, switch over from generator to power and it monitors our, our um, diesel use and it, it, all sorts of things, some incredible system. That was created by um, a company called Shift Power. Okay. The CEO, the, the co-founder, and the COO are members. Oh. So the idea really is that we want to be able to, we want our members to be able to do business across, right? So, so that company, Shift Power, and the facility manager got together and decided that this would be a good test case, hmm. right? Um, so. And then, you know, there are friendships that are being, um, oh, I mean, I know for a fact that members are doing business together. Um, there's some that are more sort of out there, um, and, you know, there are some stories that are a little more quiet, but a lot is going on, a lot is going on, you know, in terms of business. But then also a lot is going on in terms of people forming new friendships, which is, I think, really nice to see. Because, you know, really, generally, the older you are, the less you're open to friendships, but it's been incredible to see that, you know, the groups of people who are getting together outside of the club, you know, getting to know each other, doing things together. They, a group even traveled together recently, 
they met here. Yeah, all the stuff I'm talking about, they met here. Wow. Well, that's nice because women, we're always scared that when we get to a place by the time I maybe somebody like me comes in and I see somebody like you or people that I really know that I'm mm. not, I'm not, you know, there could be um, insecurities that No, because no, so, because we have a very warm environment, okay. you know, and it's a very open. So, you know, I always say that, look, it's a very, it's a very safe place. First of all, we want women to be able to express themselves regardless. So when we have our little mini clubs and things, it's Chatham House rules. Huh? Nobody is going to go and say somebody said something. Okay. Um, because we want people to be open about what they're thinking, feeling, right? Also, I'm very big on vulnerability because I'm saying that if we don't show our vulnerability, then how do you really know who the person is? There's nobody who has no vulnerability, right? And so, and then also it's just very warm, you know, for me, like when we get together, I mean, it's, I tell people we hug here, you oh, know, it's yeah. not too dumb. You mentioned and, something about mommy and auntie. Yeah, so, you know, if, if that's how you want, you know, if that's how you relate to somebody, because, you know, maybe she has been a mentor of yours or she's so much older and you just, that's, that, then, yeah, that's fine. That's your, that's your relationship, okay. you know, um, so. Yeah, we're not sort of regulating how people uh, relate to each other, but we're relate. We're, but we're regulating the environment, okay, so that it is safe and secure, and it is just zen. There's no high or low. Okay. Then you talked about hugging. Just <clears throat> yeah. You encourage people to hug. Yeah. So like when we have our get-togethers, when we meet, mm -hmm. if I'm introducing somebody for the first time, or when we, you know, we hug. Because hugging is good for the soul. It's true. Wow. Wow. You know, and, and hugging just brings, you know, more warmth than a handshake. You know, and so if you want, to keep your mask on and okay. hug <laughs> with your face this way and her face that way. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I think we've covered things on that. Okay. Okay. Then if I may ask, um, how supportive has your husband? especially and your family being towards your dream because I'm sure this 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 dream would have taken you away from your children sometimes you know you can't sleep connect I still can't sleep <laughs> I still can't sleep so how helpful how so, supportive has your husband been my husband has been idea wise and, a thousand percent wow. a thousand percent supportive all the way encouraging, pushing, the days when I, and because he has really been my sounding board, um, because he's the one that I go home to, right? So I have to complain and complain. But he's very, sort of, he's the positive one in the relationship. I'm the one that's always looking at the problems. And he's the one that's always looking at the solutions, or that, you know, it will pass, but well, let it pass now, you know. Um, my children also very supportive. Uh, none of them are here at the moment, but um, very much, you know, rooting for me. Um, Did it affect you? Affect? Was there a gap in your relationship with your children while achieving this? No. In fact, if there was any gap at all, it was when I was working in corporate. Oh. Because that's when they were growing up. My children are old. So, um, but then they also went to boarding school early. Really because, deliberately because I was working, my husband was working, he was traveling, I was traveling. So it was just easier to 
put them in a place where we thought that they would thrive um, and with kids their age and all that kind of stuff so and because I was traveling a lot I, you know I was seeing them regularly but then we would also go on holiday where with nobody else but the family and that's when I would see all the warts on their body and ask what happened here yes now when they're growing up you know because yeah so no so my family and then my brother my two sisters 100% supportive also yeah so I call my husband and my brother my two rocks oh yeah. wow wow so, Ma, what are some of the philosophies that has guided you in life thus far? Well, you know, it's really funny you should ask that question because um, I was recently... Integrity is one thing, right? And I know people throw that around a lot. But I've come to realize now, because I never really thought about it deeply, that when you decide to have integrity, it's for you. So nobody else, nobody cares. But you do, because it affects, obviously, it, 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 will, it, will, it will imbalance you if you decide to, you know, go differently. And I was, I was, <laughs> I was um, comparing it to Game of Thrones. I don't know if you ever watched that series. I watched it, I started watching it once they were, when they were at series six, because I just, all the blood and everything. But there's so many lessons in Game of Thrones. And you notice that all the people who had integrity had their heads chopped off. Hmm. They carry the integrity to wherever they're Where? going. <laughs> so it was then I realized that because the wicked people, the plotters, they remained in the game. So I suddenly realized that, oh, so this integrity is just for me because nobody really cares. But honestly, that, okay, it's a value, but it's also a philosophy. Um, and also, you know, for me, it's just, you know, if you can help somebody, why? Why not? What does it take? It doesn't take that much for me to just help somebody. If you can say a kind word, why not? Um, also, uh, just, you know, do what you can to change whatever you can change, you know? Um, <clears throat> and, you know, regardless of, you know, who sees you, just do your thing quietly. Because it's really for you. All these things, you know, for me, philosophy of life is for you. It's not because anybody's watching. Um, obviously, it has a good impact on my kids yeah. because of what they see, right? Um, but we'll have that discussion about it's for you <laughs> because nobody cares, you know. But yes, but I think it's it's a good way to live, and you know, even though I'm not still I'm still not sleeping because I have all of this and there's a lot uh, that goes into it. There's a lot that you know. Now that we have the building up, you know, now it's maintenance. How do we maintain this? You know, because you have to have a maintenance culture. We want to keep it the way it is. Um, so yes, so philosophy of life is yes, my you know being a person of integrity, um, trying to do as much as I can to change what I can, helping people when I can, um, and not just people who will just appear on your Instagram. Um, page that tells you that will tell you one thing or the other. Yeah. I like organic helping. You know? Um, sometimes, yeah, if you're introduced to somebody I mean like, you know, you're introduced to people who need help and all that kind of stuff, then yes, you can do that. Um, there are just many things that, you know, can be done. Um, there are many people who are doing so much. Um, 
so much that are probably thankless tasks, but they're doing it. Um, so, for example, for me, I mean, they're not thankless tasks, but I mean, they're hard. So when I think of, uh, uh, what they call it, Warif, and I think of, um, uh, what's it called now? Bolati numbers, um, you know, when they're looking at sexual assault and... Okay. I mean, it can't be easy to be, to be doing that, you know, but they're right in there doing it, you know, so, you know, people like that have to be supported. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, so I hope I answered that question. Okay. Yeah. So, um, what are some of the lessons that life has taught you? Oh, my goodness. Um, first of all, that you have to believe in yourself. That is the first thing. Because if you don't believe in yourself, who's going to believe in you? Right? And even when people believe in you and you don't believe in yourself, you're never going to do, you're never going to achieve what you can achieve. So that's the first thing. Um, secondly, it is that not everyone who calls themselves a friend is actually a friend. So, as they, as they say in French, attention, which is just be careful. Um, and then also, you have to learn to take hard decisions. They're never pleasant, but no one's going to take them for you, so you have to take them yourself. And uh, also, just you know, keep fighting for what you want, I think, is what I have learned. Keep fighting for what you want, stay in the game. It's a long game, you know. You're in a marathon, especially when you're in business, you're in a marathon, not in a race. And honestly, being in business in Nigeria, a lot of the time, I'm just like, somebody beg you. Because maybe I should have just retired and gone to go and sit down somewhere. It is difficult. And nobody makes it easy. The bankers don't make it easy. In fact, the bankers, for me, yes, I've decided that whichever bank, just put your money there, bring it out. They're not going to do anything for you. Right? So it's just a place to keep your money. Um, whereas in other countries, your banker is actually your best friend especially when you're a business person. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, yeah, just, you know, the system here doesn't encourage entrepreneurship, even though entrepreneurship is the bedrock of the society. If you look at it, if you see, compared to people in corporate, any corporate business, how many people are entrepreneurs? The majority are entrepreneurs. Everybody is a business person, from the man who is selling cigarettes on the street to, you know, people who are in manufacturing, you know? So it would be nice if, you know, entrepreneurs got a bit more support. Yeah, especially when they're just starting. I mean, like, there's a startup bill now, so let's hope that, first of all, I'm not, I haven't looked at it, so I'm not even sure that it's just tech-related or not, because it's not only, you know, yeah, everybody has to be tech-enabled, but not everybody's in technology. So I hope the bill is, you know, is, is wide enough to accommodate every type of entrepreneurial venture. Thank you, ma'am. Um, um, there are some things like this. Uh, I, I know of clubs or yeah, like this that uh, they also do outreach. Maybe they have um, an outreach where, you know, like during COVID-19, I know that um, some people give out food, especially to women, thinking that it's going to be harder for them with the children. 
So our CSR, yes. so our CSR is really, we're looking at younger women, because we're a business club, we're looking at younger women in business and in corporate. So we have what we call the gazelles, and it's a sort of pseudo-mentoring sort of okay. thing that we do. No huh? No sponsor. Well, if, if, yeah, so, so let me give the example. So what it is, is we first of all called it the, uh, what was it called? Uh, um, the, the Gazelle Breakfast Series, and I, I know that this is an acronym. I've forgotten what it's called. What you know? <laughs> but anyway, so it's a breakfast series. And when we first started, we would sit down together with you know women between the ages of 21 and 29 who are either starting their businesses or in you know some sort of corporate setting. And the idea was really, look, we're going to come together for a couple of hours, and we're just going to answer all your questions. And you know, just share as much as we can from our lives with you. And but in the end, of course, you know, the guy Africa women who are part of it also learn something. And what we do is, so we have about we have three guy women um, around. I don't know, maybe about fifteen um, young ladies. And so we would then have a subject matter. So for example, we could say your personal brand. Okay. But it doesn't mean that you're limited to talking about your personal brand and we encourage them because again it's a safe space, say whatever you want, ask whatever you want. So we would have questions around you know, marriage and working and children and you know, outside the subject. And it's really just trying to give them this sort of guidance and, and advice and we encourage them to stay in touch, you know, so happy to, we give our details to them and we also want them to start to Get, form their own network, okay. right? So um, we share their details amongst themselves and say, yeah, start to get together. So now that we're back in our, now that we have our own space, we will start again. So we've been online. So okay. yeah, the whole of 2020 and up till now, we've been doing it online. Um, but I'm sure the next one, which is probably before the end of this year, will be here. And again, we'll find a subject. And we'll, so we've spoken about different things, values. Um, we've spoken about managing side gigs. Okay. Spoken about all kinds of different things. Okay. Yeah, and you know, I think that they find it very useful. Okay. And so, so for now, that is what we do. Um, honestly, what we will do, we have not seen yet because it will grow, it will morph. We'll see what happens, it will evolve. And, um, you know, there are many opportunities. People want to collaborate, people want to do things, which, you know, as long as we both share the same sort of um, ethos, okay. it's fine. Okay, so talking about women, um, some people feel that male, uh, when women are um, at the elms of affairs, it seems like it's more difficult, it's more networking and things like that. What are your thoughts on that? I know that a lot of people they trade um, female bosses. bosses. So it's it's you know for me, I've heard this many times, even from my younger colleagues when I was in uh, corporate. You know they would always say, "Ah, TCJ, I'm not like other people," and so. 
yeah, it's difficult to answer that question because, oh, actually, I did have a female boss. But um, yes, so it's difficult to answer that question. But I think, I think that any woman who who is more difficult than in, so the the so the question is, what do they mean by a woman is more difficult? Now it could be that we're willing to accept brashness from a man okay. and when a woman does it she's suddenly this monster okay? okay so there's that possibility there's also pressure on women to prove themselves because a lot of the time and maybe i don't know whether i want to so maybe in the past or maybe even now still um you know women do have to work harder than men let's face it right um because we are not there yet where people assume it's a woman at the helm of affairs. In fact, it's usually a surprise. Ah, oh, it's a woman? Oh, okay. You know, um, but slowly but surely we get there and maybe then women start to feel a bit more comfortable. Um, but then it's really, you know, it's very difficult to comment on, 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 on that because you just really don't know what the circumstances are. And you know the circumstances could be that she's just the same as another man, and you know, and right, you know, people just don't appreciate it with a woman, uh, what or won't tolerate, or don't, yeah, or don't see, you know, when a woman acts the same as a man as being okay, you know. Yeah. But the truth is, you know, well, people have different styles, right? I mean, some people just prefer to, you know remain feminine and just be firm some people have a different style so you know it really just depends I, it's it, it's difficult to answer that sort of generalized question if, if i was given specific circumstances okay. then perhaps okay. you know yeah okay well, um, so um based on your relationship with women women in business especially do you think that Women have done enough. I, in recent times, the, uh, the MDC of Fidelity Bank is now a female. Mm -hmm. I think GT Bank mm -hmm. also has done that. And so, do you think that women are now owning their spaces in Nigeria, you know, in the business world? No, we only have seven. I mean, we have seven out of. I mean, okay, we can clap. But seven, seven women MDs that seven, are in the banks. Seven, seven female MDs in the banks. I mean, we have to celebrate our small wins. And I say small win, not that it's a small feat that they've done that. Okay, okay. I'm just saying seven out of the number that there are. And um, there's a company called, or a consultancy called PW, PWR Advisory that does this... Um, they look at the number of females on boards in public listed companies. Um, actually, the founder is, her name is, she, she's a member here. Her name is Ivana Osage. And recently, the one for 2021 showed that um, there were no female MDs, there were no, no women running um, public listed companies. None of them, not a single woman. Yeah, public listed. So, you know, 
um, I think that was it, yes, it was something like that, or was it three years, something like that. It was, I think it was zero in the top 10 public listed companies, top 10 top public, yeah, there were no women running them. So we still have, a, you know, some way to go. Um, and when we, if we compare ourselves to other African countries, um, we're probably doing okay. If we, you know, but I, I, to be honest, when we talk about these things, I, I believe in, you know, legislation on this. For me, until we legislate that women should occupy at least 30% or 40% on boards of public listed companies, parastatals, all this sort of stuff, um, we won't get there. And I don't mean any woman. I mean, I'm not literally advocating that as long as you're a woman, you must be. No, I, because there are many qualified women. It's like when men say they can't find women to sit on boards. I'm like, give me the list. I will send you CVs. You know? Because there's so many women that are board ready and are not given the opportunity because these things are spoken in soft voices in men's clubs because they're the ones who are inviting women to sit on those boards, right? But very soon it will be the opposite. So, you know, they might, they should just enjoy themselves now <laughs> because the time has come, you know? Um, so yeah, things are, things are changing. Um, maybe not as rapidly as we want it to change, um, but I think that by the time, you know, the Gen Z, ah, wait up, Gen Z is already, is already, is already here. What about the next one, Sha? Whatever that's going to be. Um, maybe things would have, you know, taken a turn for the better, for the much better. Um, so we celebrate, you know, the women who are, you know, achieving those positions and hope that they have the support that they need um, because no man is an island, no woman is an island and it's important for for them to have you know you know when men are in those positions they gather around each other you know yeah. but when women are too few then it's difficult you know and that's again why we have this sort of space because we're like you know what there are people like you here mm. so yeah well, I would like to ask, are you a feminist? Hmm, what's a feminist? I still expect somebody to open the door for me. Does that mean I'm, yes. Because that's how I was raised, right? So, feminist, no, let me tell you what I believe. I believe that men and women are equal, but we're different. Okay, so there are things that I can do that a man cannot do, like he cannot have children. I can literally pump out a child, right? He can't, can contribute. But even now, it doesn't yeah. have to be a physical <laughs> contribution, right? So there's that. And then I just believe that women should not be, you know, sidestepped because they're female. And you know, it, it goes back to all this unconscious bias thing because people want to see people like them around them. And people like them are male and, you know, whatever. So, and I'm sure that it's, you know, it's still a bit difficult for men to accept. And it goes back to how we're raised. Because in the old days, men were raised to be kings. Mm. You know, you're the king of your home. You're the this, you're the that. Your sisters will cook for you. Your sisters will make your bed. You know, this sort of thing. But 
thankfully, boys are being brought up differently now. Yeah. Like my son, better know how to do everything from cooking to cleaning to making his bed to his laundry, everything. Because I said, I think there's no woman coming to Anyway, he has two older sisters, so those ones have already disciplined him well. You know? So, yeah. And I think that that's how it has to be. But then at the same time, learning to respect women. Because that's just the way it is. You know? And people tend to poke fun. Like, <laughs> my husband is saying, hey, all this women thing, but you expect me to, if we go to dinner now, who should pay? <laughs> you should pay now, why? You know? And I still believe in your money being your money and my money being mine. No, your money being our money and my money being mine. But having said that, we're in 2021 and honestly, every household, it needs to be a joint effort. Things are just so hard. And I don't think anyone should bring up their son thinking, you know, so that he's believing that he's the only one that must be the breadwinner. It's too much pressure. And bring up the girls to hurry up and marry. Uh -uh. Please, let her settle down and know where she's going because that relationship is make or break, you know? And so I think we need to give our daughters time to you know, make that decision themselves. We need to, there's no real hurry these days. People are having first babies at 50. Okay, it's not the greatest because, you know. But at the same time, it's not an impossibility. So, uh, so I think that we need to so certainly bring up our sons differently and then also bring up our girls, not to expect that any man is going to be looking after them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And not to bring up any boy to think that any woman is going to be his meal ticket either, because you know some are just very lazy and expect the woman to do everything. So it's a 50-50 contribution, as far as I'm concerned. And that's how it should be. Okay. Okay, so I, I, I saw that you, uh, you are on the board of different companies, mm -hmm. maybe Ankoria says many clients, member of the board of Nigerian, Norway Chamber of Commerce, and things like that. Mm. And it is also beaten that you are the founding parent of Lagos Preparation School. A founding parent. Okay, yeah, a, a founding okay, parent. Okay, okay, founding parent of Lagos Preparation Schools and things like that. Mm. So how have you been able to achieve this? Well, helped you achieve? let's start with the founding parent. Um, so. Our kids used to go to a school called Lagos British School and we found that the parents were doing everything in that school. We were paying high fees but at the same time we were still building the, um, the library, building the pools. We were like, ah, where is this money going? Ah. So I think it was a group of 10 or 12, I think it was 10 initially and it became 12. Just pulled our children out and set up a new school. Yeah. and. Um, and it's still going today. So, but I have I dropped out a lot. I mean, like I'm a founding parent, but I'm not active. So, um, that was born out of necessity because you know these kids were just like, and we didn't. I think we also didn't like the way they were. I can't remember what it was, but it was not working well, and we just felt that it was time to do something. And luckily, we had other you know like minds as well. Um, and then uh, for the boards, well... And so far, the school is now the school? very useful now. Oh yeah, Lagos Prep School, have you never heard of okay, it? Yeah, I've never heard of oh, it. Oh, it's in Ikoi, on Glover Road. Wow. So there's Lagos Prep School, and I, there's a secondary school now that's wow. shot out. So just born out of, oh, 
uh, why are we servicing yes. you? Still paying in this yes. high fee? Yes, exactly. Where is the money going to? Exactly. And so when LPS was founded, it was founded as a not-for-profit school. Not-for-profit, so that all the monies go back into the school. So, and it's it's been recognized internationally and everything now. Wow. So so that's really good on you know the parents who are still in there and you know doing it every day. And of course the teachers and the head teachers and all the people who are making it a success. But um, you're a board member, please. No, 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 I'm not on the board. No, okay. no, my husband is. So all the founding parents. families. Okay. <laughs> one person is on the board. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Um, and then the boards, well, I was invited to join those boards and I did, but it's hard work. <laughs> especially, especially with, you know, now that, you know, I have this, so, I mean, I guess it will start to calm down because, of course, we have a general manager, so that will, but I still have to be in there for the moment. And so, yes, I have to, like, sort of take time out, like, for example, at one o'clock, I have a board committee meeting, a governance board committee meeting for one of the boards. And so I'm still, you know, they still, you know, you have to still do the work. Active members in all the sports. Well, you have to be. You can't be on the board and be non-active, otherwise it's time to go. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so I also read that you you are a member of Angel investors. Oh yes. And Rising Tide Africa. Yes. A network of female business angels investing yes. in entrepreneurs across the African continent. Is this so? No. How so RTA was co-founded by um, Yemi Kerry, who is a member here. Yemi. Kerry. 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 K E R I. Okay. Yeah. Um, so she herself is a. Is a is an IT specialist. She, okay. yeah, digitization, all this stuff. And um, so I joined in 2017, I think. Um, and the idea is really, so it's an angel network. And what angels do is, they, um, they they get they are pitched to by. So this one is focusing on female founded companies, female founded and tech enabled. Okay. Um, although they're sector agnostic. Okay. And so what they do now is they have pitch days where entrepreneurs will come and pitch and then um, depending on how many members are interested in that company, if we get a certain yeses, then you know we form a group and that group does the due diligence, they do all the various things and then they decide, they decide whether they invest or not invest. Yeah. So it's a great thing for, you know, and, you know, we've had many successes on that. We've had um, successes with, you know, the companies that we've invested in. We're now looking at our first exit of one of those companies. And yes, okay. we'll see how that goes. Okay. So, um, how would you describe your style? My style? Yes. What type? In terms fashion. of... Oh, my fashion. Oh. Um, Hmm. Are you a very class person, very, or just simple? I would say that, based on what everybody says, elegant. Yeah. yeah. Is there something that you're very particular when it comes to dressing for you? That it suits my body style, like that it suits my shape, first of all. And, yeah, the color is right for my skin and things like that, yes. Okay. 
I wish. No. I, no, I don't. And I wish I did, but unfortunately, I have what they call. Um, I have allergies, right? So I think it's meant to be. I think it's non-specific dermatitis. So basically, it means that they don't know what happens, right? They have triggers. And so, if I use anything that is not very basic, okay. then I start to have like a rash or dark patches or whatever. So I just so I used to. <laughs> I used to have all these very funky, wonderful face treatments and stuff. Okay. But I had to just, you know, stop that. So I basically will use something like it's a very, very simple, maybe I don't even know what's called, is it ivory or something? That's not got any perfume in it or anything like that. Yeah. But not and for my face I will make sure that so my one routine is that I make sure that I use micellar water to cleanse. What are you talking about? water. Okay. To cleanse. And I will always use a um, a serum. Okay. And the serum is very, it's a Korean serum, it's very, you know, it's got things like tea and, I don't know, whatever stuff in it, but it's very sort of natural. Okay. So those are the things that I would say that I use, okay. and, yeah. Okay, so, um, coming to the point from, what are some of the sacrifices that you had to make as a career woman for your own? What are some of the sacrifices? Not seeing my kids. <laughs> <No>? <laughs> Not seeing my kids. <laughs> Having to put my kids in boarding school. Okay. Uh, yeah, those are, sac those are real sacrifices. So when people talk about work-life balance, I'm always telling them, there ain't no such thing, because one suffers. Mm, one will always suffer. And the easiest one to suffer is your family, because you figure, you figure they'll understand. Yeah. Right? But at the same time, um, I've always, you know, I, I, you know, I'm always there for my kids. Like, if something, no, there's no career that will make me stay somewhere and not you know, go somewhere else. But things like I, things I could get away with when my kids were growing up were, for example. So one thing I've never missed, I do not miss parent-teacher meetings. That one. Uh, and that was then. Thankfully now, my last is in uni, so, and he's, studi he's doing, um, he's studying animation, so it's not exactly, you don't exactly have, you can have exhibitions, right? But, um, but then I, I, you know, when you have a community of support, so when my mother was alive, Mother-in-law is alive. Um, my sisters, especially my older sister, who was very creative, she would be the ones making. She'd be the one making the hats for some for Easter parade or for something or the other. But I remember my middle daughter asking me one asked me one day why why is it that I did not come to it? I think it was a certain play or end of term something while they were still here, and she, the, all the other mothers were there. And I tried to explain to her that but I work. But you know, kids don't understand that. They don't care. Yes, they just want to Why were you not there when everybody's mom was there, you know? So that was that's something that I've never forgotten because you also have this horrible guilt. Horrible guilt um, of, you know, choosing to work and you know, while your kids are not well they're still young. But I can't say that I have any Regrets. I would have loved it if my kids were able to be here, but our education system sometimes fails us a lot. So, yeah. But you know, um, they've grown up very nicely. Um, all my kids are in the creative field. 
Imagine. So for generations, we've been lawyers, and then these ones come. Not a single one. Not a single one. Who is carrying on the torch? Nobody. Wow. They're not even interested. So my first daughter is an actor. She studied acting for seven years. She did four years first in uni, and then she did grad acting for three years. First time I heard, I said, three years? What, what are you going to be learning for three years? But it is tough, because I saw it myself. And then my second studied media and film, and is a singer-songwriter. So she writes her own music, she does her own music. You might even know, if you can look her up, her name is Gigi Atlantis. Okay. So she distributes her own music. Um, and then my son is studying animation and writing. So maybe one day they'll all do something together as a project. Yeah, they are creative. Nobody is going to the law. <laughs> okay, yeah. Like, yeah. as, a, as a young lady, what was your most adventurous moment when you were young? Ah, I can't say. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, well, I snuck out That's of school. I snuck out of school once okay. and returned to school at midnight okay. and had to see the headmistress the next day. Ah. It was not fun. Was it Nigeria? No. Okay. Yeah. Because not only did I sneak out of school, but I left. <laughs> I left the town and got on a train and went to another town and then came back to school that night. And the questions I was asked, I was like, <laughs> that was my my terrible terrible moments. No, no, no. And obviously, I've never forgotten because I think I was fifteen. Um, so yeah. No, 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 no. It's just that when you are written up to see the headmistress and your name is on the on the board, you know that you're in for trouble. So I, I, I what did she? She asked me many questions, and I think I was grounded. I was probably grounded, or had to do what we call was it detention or what was it we called it? I can't remember what we called it. You know, the following weekend or something, but it was not fun. Yeah. Okay, so as a young woman, were you somebody that were very, were you very choosy, so much so that even up to the marriage? Very, very choosy. Very choosy. Okay, you had your stick. <laughs> well, I don't know. Yeah, I guess there was always a type. Yeah, okay. I guess. Yeah. Okay, so how did your, how did your husband be the one? Well, actually, my husband was introduced to me by his brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because his older brother, who was going out with a friend of mine, okay. and who figured that we would get on well together. Okay. Um, and yeah, that's kind of how that happened. Okay. Can you remember how you were proposed? How you got your proposal? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very romantic, because you, were, you said you were choosy. No, I'm, so, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm, you know, it's funny, I'm not. I love to see romance, okay. but I don't know if I'm a romantic. Okay. You know, okay. so like you, if all my favorite films are romantic, okay. but I don't know whether I live yeah. that. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, but uh, I just I love to see it. Um, so yeah, no, it was 
I remember what, where it wasn't. No, it's not like it wasn't these dead now that they were put to no, use petals. <laughs> Nothing like that. No, I think it was just basically a question that was popped okay. when we were. I don't even know where, where were we. I think we were. I don't know somewhere in Lagos. Yeah, it was in Lagos, yeah. Um, it was just literally, I don't remember the specific words, but yeah. So what's the most forgettable moment of your life? Is it marriage? Is it even back to your first child? Is it happening? The most unforgettable moment. I, I think, let me say the most unforgettable moment. And it's really having kids. What's happening? Bringing life to this world is not something that you do and forget. Also because you're just, you know, you're tied to these human beings forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you are as concerned or, no, you're more concerned about them than you are by yourself. And everything that affects them affects you. So, but then, you know, there are wonderful moments, um, especially when the family is alone together. We're a very strange family. All my kids are very odd. My husband is odd. I'm odd. So we all, with all our oddities, <laughs> it's a very, very strange household. <laughs> a very, very interesting household. Very interesting household. Um, yeah, and yes, I do miss having them, not having them around. But yeah. You're from what state? Lagos. You're from Lagos. Because, you know, the name sounded very tush. No, so, so the funny thing is that I'm a Caxton Martins. Okay. Martins or Caxton Martins. Okay. And my husband is Candy Johnson. Okay. We're all from Lagos. Okay. We're all, I don't know. So some... Oh, yeah. Okay. Like, my name is Ola Tung. Okay. Did you see how they started? With a W. You know, when I called you today, that's like they also I mentioned your last name. Okay. That's why they really sound like, well, I'll ask that. You're from which state? I'm from Lagos State. Okay. Born and bred. Wow, your husband is also from Lagos. He's from Lagos State. Born and bred also. No, he was actually born in Worry. Ah. Yeah. Okay. And his mom okay. is actually from Calabar and Sierra Leone. Okay. Yeah. That's with that. <laughs> no, that does not affect me. That's the, you know? Okay. But you know, Lagos families are mixed. Yeah. We're yes. all a whole bunch of mixed people. Like I remember my mother always used to talk about her relative people from Nupe. Um, there was a big connection with Sierra Leone. Um, we're just a mix, mixed bag of people. Do you have any fears in life? <gasps> yeah. Fears in life. I still have them. I'm, I got anxiety about things not working. Yeah, lots of anxiety. I told you I don't sleep. So lots of anxiety about, you know, things not working. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. And the country, you know, where are we going? You know, where's the Naira going? All of a sudden we're all poor. Because you can't do anything with your money, you know. Um, and even with this project, it was—it's been a nightmare because trying to finish it with the naira the way it is, it has been a nightmare, you know. And you know we're still at the stage where we're spending, 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 spending. spending. It doesn't end. 
you know. So yes, I have a lot of anxiety about the country, a lot of anxiety about the business, um, and uh, what am I? Yeah, I just don't want the country to deteriorate to any level of nastiness, you know. So yeah. Secessionist. Okay. I'm just one. I believe that you know. I believe. I really believe in one Nigeria, to be honest. But we need a leader that is that also believes in one Nigeria, totally inclusive. And we need more women in the public sector. We need more women in government. We need more women who are taking those decisions, who are in the room when those decisions are made, or who are making those decisions, because. Unless and until we have that, it will always be one-sided, you know. And to be honest, you know, if you look at, if you read up McKinsey's um, article, in their surveys, their articles, it shows what we're losing because we don't have equity. So any society that is not doesn't have equity, you know, in terms of the contributions, we're leaving so much money on the table, billions that we could have. And if we had women who are at you know, the, the highest levels of government, you will see that things would be much different if they're allowed to do what they're supposed to do. This whole partisan giving, politics. Yes, and they're giving, like you say, qualified for it. Not just, oh, no, totally. Totally no, qualified. Not just no, 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 no. Younger brother no, they, and there's no point. Your sister. No, there's no point in, in in just putting people there because they are connected. They're connected. They come from a family of. You know, I remember in the 90s, was it in the 90s? When. No, sorry, first of all, I remember, you know, when my parents were working. You know, in those days, most people were civil servants. Yeah. But it was something of pride to be in the civil service, right? And they took care of their people. You know, they didn't have to think about whether they were going to live somewhere, whether they were going to get a car, or whatever it was. Right now, people in the, most people in the public service are just there with biding their time, and they're definitely doing something else. Look at our education system. Look at our teachers. First of all, I don't know how we select teachers, but obviously they're not well paid, so they're more interested in the, you know, private, the private things that they're doing. Look at our medical, the state of our medical. Uh, most of our doctors have run away. Yes. And can you blame them? You know, people have to think about their own lives. You know, no one's ready to be a, no one. I mean, like, to be a martyr in a place that would appreciate the martyrdom is good. But you know, if you're just gonna give your life for no reason, what's the point? You know. So. You know, I really, to be honest, I'd like to see a country where we have more than two political parties. Okay. Definitely. I want to see a country where there are more young people who appreciate it. We have so many clever people. I mean, just look around the world. When they celebrate people, uh, chances are there. One of them is Nigerian, right? Yes. Chances are the world over. So 
you know, we have all these amazing people around the world. Think of what it would be like if they came home. Eh, is it one o'clock? Please let me just put on my computer so that they know that yeah, <laughs> I'm around. So, you know. So how do you annoy? Oh, I told you I'm a romantic, right? Yeah. So I love to watch my movies. I love to watch movies. I that's how I relax. You know, movies, like parts, massage. Oh yeah, but honestly, to, I was telling you know the team. You go to parties. Are you party person? Really. I go when I have to. Okay. Um, but my idea of the evening is just sipping a glass of wine and watching something okay. that's really interesting. Why? Because it's a way of taking things off my mind. You know, I don't have to think about anything. Parties, especially post-COVID, the thought of having to get dressed. <laughs> it's just, it's a lot, you know. And uh, so, but yeah, so and I like to exercise, of course. Okay, well. okay yeah, enthusiastic. I like to exercise. Fitness um, enthusiast. Yeah. Well, okay. yeah, enthusiastic about it. I've always, I've always exercised throughout okay. my life. I either played a sport or I did flexible. I went to the gym or whatever. Okay. And I've recently gone back to spinning, which I. What's spinning? Spinning. Oh, you go on the bike, and you know the instructor's telling you to to spin, so you're like going at the fastest. Yeah, and sometimes you get up and then you bend your arm, and it's it's tough. <laughs> but it's enjoying it. Okay. And you sweat. So I like to sweat. Yeah, I yeah. Okay. I can't run anymore. I used to do. I used to run, um, but I I have with my knee. Every time I so last, I think it was last week or, or the week before I went. I did. I ran on the treadmill, and then my right knee reminded me that there is no running. <laughs> so I have to stay away from that. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So I didn't just turn this thing on because... Okay. Oh. Where is the...